Hey everybody, we are so glad that you're joining us from wherever you're joining us, whether one of our locations or joining us online for the first of a two-week conversation that we're calling The Struggle. It's a conversation about addictions. And if you're new to the summit, uh, new in person or online, uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm being joined with Ike Patterson, our pastor of life care, and we're going to kind of have a conversation together and uh, hopefully bring you guys in on it and kind of kick off what we feel like is a very important thing to talk about. Whether, okay, obviously, if you have an addiction, um, if you have an addiction and don't know it, if you have an addiction and do, and even if you're not in those two categories, then you have the tendency towards addictive behavior. And we'll talk about how we know that about you, uh, because all of us do. And if none of those fit you right now, which one of those probably does, you're going to know someone, either now or eventually, someone in your family, someone you work with, someone in your neighborhood that you're going to have close proximity to that's going to need some encouragement and some help. And so this is something that touches all of our lives. I want to let you know that this is something, this whole addictions thing is something that's close to my heart because uh, many years ago, I had the opportunity to serve as a spiritual advisor. Uh, It's not something I really talk about a lot, um, but a spiritual advisor for AA and NA groups with Northeast Regional Medical Center in the Concord area, just south of here. And I learned so much about those that are struggling with addictions, I learned so much by spending time in the community. So much about the struggle. My eyes were opened, and I, I hope your eyes are opened. Our goal is to help you become aware of how addiction works in your life and in the lives of others, how addictive behavior works, that you would come to an understanding of all of that and be put on a path to healing and hope, and healthiness. I want to launch right into something that kind of levels the playing field for everybody. And it's something Jesus said that John recorded Jesus as saying, and it's one of the most clear statements Jesus ever made. And he said this, and John, John recorded this, thankfully. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. Pretty clear, huh? Any questions? All right, good. We'll see you guys later. Right? I mean, we know that. But here's the deal. Nobody's exempt from that. No matter how spiritual you are, how close to God, how far away from God, this is just true for every single person in this world. You will have trouble. Jesus had another follower, Peter, very close to Jesus, a little bit later on in the first century. He wrote like this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. I meet people all the time. I don't understand. This is so weird. I thought if I started going to church, I thought if I got some Jesus, I thought if I read my Bible, I thought if I prayed, I thought if I, and they fill in the blank, whatever. You know, I really try hard, and I thought if, blah, 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 then this wouldn't be happening to me, and I wouldn't have this problem. No, 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 no. This is not strange. You're going to go through difficulties. And so, Ike, what this does, this immediately puts us all on the same playing field when it comes to difficulties in life. And so why don't you just kind of say what is true for all of us? Yeah, We all suffer. We all go through hardships and trials and tragedies and 
turmoil and problems, we all suffer. Um, that's not a choice for us, but the choice is that when we do have a choice, we can suffer poorly or we could suffer well. So let me talk a little bit about the difference between the two. Suffering well is when we are aware that this is the lot that we have in life and we're not alone in it, that we can lean on God, that we can ask him for wisdom and insight. We want to know through the pain we're experiencing, you know, what is your, what are you teaching me? How are we learning? How am I depending on you? What lessons are here for me? All of that is relying on him in the midst of suffering, which is what his will is for us to do. So that's suffering well. Suffering poorly is when we take control. We want to be God. And so we decide, you know, I don't need him. I don't need his wisdom. I'm going to take over all this issue that I'm struggling. And we wind up doing it very poorly, to be honest, because we're human. And all of the struggles that we encounter are primarily sent or, or primarily the result of us making our own choices through life. Um, we want to, to blame shift everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. We want to repress. We self-medicate in order to manage our pain. And that's why we suffer poorly. We try to manage our pain. Which brings us to the second thing is that not only do we all suffer, we all want to control what's making us suffer, right? I mean, that, that, and you said we all want to be God, and, and we, we don't do a very good job at being God. <laughs> now, that's a job description that is guaranteed for failure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and so we look at what's hurting us, we look at pain, we look at the problems we have, and we say, well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to fix this, or I'm going to control this. And so it's that control that actually drives us into addictions yes. or addictive tendencies or addictive behavior. Is that right? Yes. A powerless. So I want to take control over it. And the result is our life has becomes unmanageable trying to resolve it all. And that's really one of the first admissions of the whole 12 steps, the AANA. Yes. 12 steps is the statement of powerlessness, right? I am not God. Yeah. And I'm powerless to control my unmanageable behavior that results in unhealthy choices. Yeah. But here's a, here's a question. So do, what can we control? If we want to control, what can we control? Really, probably nothing. Nothing. Except our responses to everything else we can't control. I want you to think about that. You can't control people. And you can't control things. I can't control people. I cannot control things. All we can do is control our response to the people we can't control and the people we can't, uh, and the things we can't control. We can control how we respond. And so while we are helpless to control people and things, we can be empowered to say, you know what? I don't have to live as a victim. I can actually take steps of healing and healthiness that bring hope. Um, I, so when we are getting to a point where we're like, okay, I'm suffering and I want to take charge. Right. Uh, we find ourselves starting to adapt into certain behavioral patterns that, and it's, it's a pattern. We start here and we end up here. So you want to take us through and, and, and listen carefully because you're probably going to find yourself somewhere on this screen. Um, so I, Yeah, we may not think that we have addiction tendencies, but all of us have a compulsive urge 
to adapt to our powerlessness when we feel like we have no control. So these are the kind of behaviors that we slip into. One is to stimulate. That is, I feel bad about what's going on. I'm suffering with hurt and have difficulties. And so we seek to feel better instantly. It is the trick of the pharmacological community that we live in is if you feel bad, feel better. So it's arousal. I'm trying to feel better instantly. Um, it's, uh, that's the motivation of behind the symptom. We try to launch adrenaline, an adrenaline rush in our brain by doing certain behaviors or activities to enhance that stimulation. Uh, it's our trap that we fall into. We just want to feel good. So we do whatever it is, yep. whether it's take something, eat something, look at something, engage in some type of ritual yep. that just makes us feel better. Stimulated. Yep. So I feel better. The second is to tranquilize. Uh, we've had enough pain, so we, get, we want to numb it out. Uh, I've feel overwhelmed by certain things in my life, so I'm just going to numb out. Um, it's reducing the pain at all costs is what we try to do. Uh, in our brains, in the limbic pattern of our brains, we seek to release endorphins that can numb out that pain. So that's tranquilizing. So that's the self-medicating part that you were yep. talking about. That, okay, if I can't feel good then I want to feel nothing. That's the escapism that a lot of times, you know, you may sense in yourself or see in somebody else, I just want to get away from it all. I just want to go to an empty place. I just want to go to a place where I don't feel anything. And I'm not thinking. I just, and you'll hear people say this. I just want to, I just want to stop thinking about all of it. I do this because when I do this, I just stop thinking about that. And I don't think about that anymore. And that's what I'm, that's the tranquilizing part, yep. right? Okay. The third behavior is to, Develop pleasing patterns where we don't say no to people. We don't have the ability to be able to do that. This is the struggle that I've always had in my life. It's uh, developed from a psychological need where I wanted to please my father all my life and never quite could, but it developed that pattern within me of one, not wanting to say no, wanting to say yes to everybody. And the, the gratification of that is that I feel better about myself uh, and many, many people get into this pattern of pleasing, uh, and it's, it's detrimental to your own self and, and your own care when we get stuck in this. You know, something interesting I just thought of, um, and I didn't think about this in the other services, so lucky y'all. You got a bean. <laughs> is that this whole pleasing thing is really tricky in the Christian community. Yeah. Because it can often cross the lines into, hey, I'm serving. We're told to be servants. We're told to be accommodating to people. We're told to submit, you know, you before me. We just did the whole thing, you before me, you before me. So where does it cross the line from Christ-like behavior into unhealthy people-pleasing? Yeah. Where's that? I I'm wish throwing I knew, that out there brother. I wish I knew. Uh, but there's a difference. I, honestly, there is a difference. You have to... You have to get to the place in your life where you begin looking honestly, and we'll talk about this in a minute, at how these patterns, these behaviors affect us, and then realizing how God really does see us, not necessarily how we see. Because all of these behaviors are about us trying to compensate for some compulsive need that we have. So the final is satisfy, satisfying unmet needs. 
There's some kind of psychological, emotional hunger that's not been met because of childhood dysfunction, because of situations, because of pleasing patterns. And so things like emotional overeating to satisfy an unmet need. Porn frequently traps people with the uh, understanding that you can be loved and never rejected. And so because of our need of being loved and, and uh, valued in a, a relationship, that's how we, we get stuck into that. So satisfying emotional needs is meeting the need that, that's not being met in some other way. Okay, so at this point, maybe you're starting to kind of say, okay, yeah, that, that would be more me. That's kind of where I'm at. Or, or, or maybe you're giving yourself permission to tap out on this mental and you're going, oh, what a waste of a rainy Sunday morning, okay? So I don't need this. I don't need this at all. Okay, so we're getting ready to change that. What we want to do now is, is trying to shift a little bit and talk about the reality of common abuses that all of us at some level are going to deal with. Okay, when you talk about addictions, there's just not the big bad ones, right? Alcohol and drugs. Alcohol, drugs, alcohol, drugs. Everybody goes to alcohol and drugs, and we should talk about that. We should talk about that more. We should be more aware of the dangers of alcohol abuse and, and drug addiction and drug abuse. But then you, there's another big one, right? And, and this gets more press, and it, and it should. It, get, it should get more than it, than it does. It's the opioid crisis, the you know, prescription medication that now we're using in a way, and it's so tricky because the doctor gave it to you to help you address a problem that you had, and now you're using it in ways the doctor never intended or the drug was never intended to be used, and now you're in a pattern of addiction. So those are the big ones, right? But I, <laughs> there's addictive behavior way outside the bounds of the big ones that we give ourselves, well, I'm not an alcoholic, well, I'm not a drug addict. But let's talk about some other stuff that levels the playing field. And you want me to be the deliverer yes. of the bad news. Okay. And I'll just sit here and go, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. That's... Uh, workaholism. We are driven to prove our worth and value through what we do. And so work becomes an issue for many people. Uh, Self-harm. I cut myself and can't get out of that pattern. Hoarding. Um, Exercise, shopping. We'll, we'll back up, back up, back up. <laughs> Exercise can be an addiction. Absolutely. You should can. avoid that addiction at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, no, I'm, I'm serious. I, I, dude, I, can, I, I think you're right. That's something else he didn't say in the other uh, services. But exercise, you see, you know, exercise junkies, right? right? It, it gives them that. They stay pumped up, they stay pumped up, they stay pumped up, and so it's a self-image thing or, or something like that. And they want other people to be impressed. You know, it's that whole impressing others. And, yeah. and, but then you went from there to, you know, we got food, mm -hmm. porn. Yes. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, Technology. The phone. Social media. Yes. Yeah. Look, first thing you do is you check it. Last thing you do is check it, right? I got to check it. I got to check it. When you got nothing else to do, what do you do? I got to check it. I'm checking it. I'm checking it. I'm checking it. And so, you know, having a little pain right here in the back of the neck because you're constantly looking down, constantly looking down, you know, kind of deal. Maybe, maybe. Here's one I have a problem. You said, you know, the whole people pleasing, and, and you've said before, you know, the challenge with, with food, and that, 
very gracious of you to be transparent like that. But I don't have a choice. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, like we love you anyway. For me, it would be uh, perfectionism. Right? I go. I want to get it right. I want to get it right. I want to get it right. And I'll linger, linger, linger. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. To the point of of worrying, even maybe obsessing, uh, not not being able to move ahead and being productive because I've got to get that right. Got to get that right. You know. And there's some pride and arrogance that could be there as well. Like, you know what? Would you just stop? Let me do it myself because you can't trust anybody to do stuff. Right? You got to do it yourself. You know. If you want it done right, do it. And so there's a, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but there's a lot of need of Jesus in me because of that. So I, I, we're saying these things to help you understand addictions and addictive behavior is just not the big bad ones, right? That everyone spends so much time talking about. It's anything that begins to become a point of control in your life that will lead you into unhealthy Thinking now, now here's something. You guys remember? You guys remember uh, Jeff Foxworthy's thing? It's what made him famous. That you might be a redneck if you remember that. Of course you do, because that's most everybody in here. <laughs> you're talking about your family, right? Of course, we're in the South. And if you're a transplant from up north, you really know that's true. You're like, oh, the freaks. So, right. You so, can go back. <laughs> right. You might be a redneck if. So okay. So I'm going to put a list of phrases up on the screen, that if you find yourself thinking this or saying this, and you're probably thinking it, not saying it, but you may be doing both, then you might have more addictive behavior than you are comfortable admitting. Like, check this out. I don't really have a problem. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I'm not hurting anyone anyway. It's just me. It just only affects me. It only affects me. I mean, it's just, it's just me looking at a screen. It's just me numbing out my pain. It's just me in a bowl of ice cream. Yeah, it, it, I'm not hurting anyone else. I've got it under control. I've got it under control. In fact, I could stop anytime. I'm so in control. When I decide I will stop when I'm good and ready, I'm just not ready because I can stop at any time. In fact, this is the last time because I've had a rough day. You know, after the day I've had, and in all those messages we, we send ourselves, right? It's okay because, it's okay because, it's okay this one time because, oh boy, you might have more addictive tendencies. I can binge out on Netflix. Oh, you did. You went there. <laughs> that, that was a low blow. I appreciate that. Because it's a rainy, cool day, and what else everybody going to do when they get home? All of so, those excuses work. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and it's really about, and I've heard you say this before, it's about being honest yeah. with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's really tough. I, there's something else I want you to, to walk us through. Because once you get to a point where you're like, okay, okay, I can see addictive tendencies here. There's actually stages mm-hmm. of, of addiction. And they're not all the same, but one leads to another. And so it's important for you to be able to understand so that you can see this in your own life whether you want to or not, and so you can help recognize it in the lives of those you love. So yep. you want to take us through the stages? Yeah, before I, I talk a little bit about this, so I, I, let me just say what you just said a minute ago. It takes us courage, honesty, and having a fearless inventory of our life to move out of patterns that have become destructive for us. 
It's not about us always listening to everybody else who are, who's nagging us to pay attention to our addiction. It's us having the courage to look at this and have an honest evaluation of it. So the state, I think you see the pattern. Uh, uh, most addictionists would agree this is a particular pattern that we fall into as we move toward an addiction, away from abuse and use into addiction. So the first you'll see is experimentation. That's usually the stage at which we're using or some activity is done in a social environment where we feel comfortable with our friends and we do it because we are expected to in that environment. We feel tempted by everybody else saying, hey, just use this pot. Hey, it's a party. We're going to be all high and just go ahead and do this. So we start using as an experimentation to see what would be the results for us. We don't necessarily go overboard. Usually there are no consequences for us uh, in that, but it's a means of escape and just trying out the activity. All right, so this is what this sounds like. All right, when you find yourself saying this, and I hear this all the time from people. You know, I typically don't drink, but I have a meeting. Right, I, I typically don't do that, but I have this thing I've got to go to. I, I typically don't, and then they fill in the blank, and then they say why they're going to. So this is the, mm-hmm. right, that, yeah. that just follows, here, mm-hmm. here we go. It's innocent, no big deal, just one time. And it's motivated curiosity, a lot of it is, but it, it can lead further. So let's talk about going further, which is occasional use. Um, that's where the person begins to experience periodic disruptions in their lifestyle because they've developed this pattern of starting to use on a regular basis. Um, their home, their work, their school is beginning to see the beginning the patterns of disruption because they're using. Um, There's a phrase that's called tolerance where I have to use more of the substance now to get the same effect that I did when I was experimenting. So we've begun a pattern of increasing the use or the activity to the place now where it's starting to be an issue for us. Hmm. Then it's regular use. Uh, That's where the user is obsessing about becoming more preoccupied, planning times where they will use. It's been a long day at work. I can't wait to get to my beer. And one is not enough, never is. And so we begin this pattern of a regular use. It begins, we've been again experimenting detrimental or experiencing detrimental consequences from this. Um, Such as, uh, I've, I'm losing control over my ability to be able to stop or I'm breaking the rules that I self-imposed. I'm not going to have more than three drinks. Um, We start seeing legal issues like DUIs, family conflict. Uh, One of the biggest areas that indicate that you may be using regularly is your own feelings of guilt and shame that flood you in this use. Why is this happening to me? I can't believe this is a pattern in my life. And at some point between occasional use and regular use, people, you love, people that love you start noticing and saying, yes. uh, okay, wait a second. Yep. You're doing this more often now. You're, you're having another drink. I don't, wait, what's, what's going on? Or you're, you're lingering longer or whatever. You know, you fill in the blank. And then, okay, that, that's visible 
Then there's also people that are sitting in this room and watching online going, well, no one knows what I'm doing. Yeah. They don't know what I'm looking at online. They don't know the medicines I'm taking. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Well, they will know. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time. It always, always, always comes out with, with no exception. It's only a matter of time. And so this is true of you. Whether or not people are seeing it or not, this, this pattern it's absolutely. It's a denial pattern, a minimization pattern, and you see it in every one of these stages. It's not just towards the end that we live in it. The final stage, of course, is addiction and dependence. That's where the user needs a substance to be able to live. Um, I've developed a, a, a functioning level where I have to have this in order to thrive and survive. Uh, I can't go to work with shakes. I have to be using this. So they experiment uh, or experience uh, uh, deterioration in their health, both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They are stuck and in prison and try to hide it, but everybody around them knows it. So it's gone from a place of telling myself I need it to actually now I've created a dependency on it and I, yes. I, I need it. Even though it's it. unhealthy, it's hurting me and it's hurting those around me, I need it. And that's, that's what is so dangerous about yeah. it. Um, you know, again, th- there's a lot. And, and we've talked about, we talked about before we did this, you know, how to keep this from feeling too clinical, right? Because we don't, we don't want it to be like, a, you know, a NPR, you know, we should probably talk like this <laughs> if we don't do the NPR thing. Um, you know, we, we wanted to, uh, to leave you with hope. And, and to empower you. And, here, and here's, before we get to that part, I'm going to let you know what we're going to do next week. Next week will be all about that. Next week will be about looking at how you take next steps out of this kind of behavior. What to do, how to put one foot in front of the other, and what to expect, and how to get towards health and healing and wholeness. Next week, we're even going to put resources in your hands. We're going to give everybody resources and tools. Whether you want them or not, we're going to give them to you. And whether you think you need it or not, we're going to give it to you. Because we don't want to you know, put the spotlight on anybody and say, oh, if you have an addiction or someone does, you can come get this. We're just going to give one to everybody. Because either you are struggling with addictive behavior, one day will struggle with addictive behavior, or someone you love, someone you know will, and you'll be empowered. So that's what we'll do next week. But what we want to leave you with here is kind of that aha moment of where you are now. And it all begins with admitting you struggle. Admitting you struggle. This is hard. This is hard. It takes guts. It takes courage to admit you struggle. And especially if you're a Christian. I, there's something I want you to read to us um, out of the New Testament. Paul the Apostle, we talk about him a lot. He wrote this one section that doesn't get a lot of press. It doesn't get a lot of attention in the New Testament. And after we read it to you, you'll see why. After reading this next part, it is so uncomfortably clear and uncomfortably transparent. You you read this and go, who let him write part of the scriptures? Like, this guy is jacked up. I mean, and and here's a Christian. So, Ike, why don't you read this? Walk us through this. Yep. So... I do not understand what I do. That's as human a statement as you can come up with. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. 
For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. That's amazing. You guys can, can you guys identify with that? Mm. I mean, how many times do we find ourselves, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, I'm not, uh, and I did it. Mm. All right? Or I, I, I need to do this, and we'll set a reminder, I'm going to do this, remind me, remind me, don't let me forget. Tell me, tell me, tell me, and I didn't do it. And That's it's not right. about forgetfulness, it's just about saying, nah, I'll start tomorrow. Yeah, nah, next time. That's just so honest. It's the self-nature as opposed to what we know God wants us to do. And all of us live with this struggle within. It's not just an addict. It's us being human that, that causes this. And then Paul goes on to say this, and I think this is so fascinating. What a wretched man I am. Jonathan, I can't tell you how many people sitting in our offices talk about this in their life. I am a wretched human who doesn't understand how to get out of this. This is the deep cries of addiction. Who will rescue me? Hopelessness. There's nobody that can help me with this. They understand it's a pattern I've gotten into, but how do I get out of this? And then Paul says this, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is a way out of the patterns that are become destructive for us, but it is about seeking him, seeking Christ as a power that can lift us. And this is a Christian. Yeah. Don't you let that sink in because somewhere along the way, churches have failed the community. Churches have failed Christians in communicating to them that if you get enough Jesus, you won't struggle. That's not true. Here's a guy. Here's a guy whose devotion to Christ was much more defined than mine or yours. And look at his struggle. Look at his struggle. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on. That's not important. We want you to know that your struggle is real and the way out of it is supernatural. Right? If it were human, you would have already done it by now. You wouldn't be in this mess if it was just a human thing. But there is a supernatural component to this that brings us to the second thing we want to leave you with. Is that not just admit your struggle, but acknowledge your need for the power of Jesus. I have never been more aware of the fact that I need the power of Jesus in my life. So, but you're a pastor. Yep. And your point is, I'm still broke. I need the power of Jesus. You need the power of, even if you don't believe in Jesus, we believe this for you. And I would invite you to just try this. Maybe it begins with, I'm not even sure if you're there. God, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not sure what you're really about, if you're there at all but I need you. If you're there, I need you. I need to acknowledge my need for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this never, ever goes away. And this is hard. This takes courage. This takes guts, doesn't it? Because we don't like to admit that we need anything for any reason. You need the power of Jesus, not just for addictions, 
but for anything, any battle, any battle you're facing. In fact, Ike, I, w- I want you to, to end our time praying with us and praying for us. Ike, Ike is kind of like our resident grandpa, right? And you embrace that. He's like our resident in our family, and, and you may not know this, but he's married to my mom. He's my stepdad. And so um, I'm very, very proud of that. Yeah, we call him Papa. And so he is like our resident Papa for, for a lot of us um, on staff, and, and many of you have gotten to know him through the years. And so when, when Ike prays for you, you feel like you're kind of sitting in his lap, even though that'd be a little weird. Just saying, Ike knows how much I love personal contact. So, but Ike, I, I, want, I want you to pray over us. I want you to pray with us and for us that, that we would admit our struggle and acknowledge our, the need we have for the power of our Savior, Jesus. Could you do that for us? Father, we love you and know how great your love is for us. That even when we go off and do our own thing and even when we get stuck in patterns of being far away from you and stuck in lies that the enemy has led us into about feeling better, we've made destructive choices and unhealthy decisions. How great is your love for us. You are not a God who scolds or demeans. You are a God of compassion and grace. Your arms are open for us at all times, Jesus. And the promises you have for us is that I will heal all of your wounds and bring back your health again. It's in your hands that all of this can be done. And by your strength and wisdom, we open our minds, our hearts, our physical life to the life and light that you can bring through healing. Healing us of these tendencies and patterns in our life. God, enrich those who are here, those who are listening to us on the internet, those who are in the midst of this kind of struggle, family members who have buried loved ones who have had this struggle that has led to their demise. Continue, God, to hear our questions and to be compassionate and caring to us as well. Lord, we need you. We're becoming more and more aware of it, and we are becoming so gratefully aware You will never turn away from us, ever. You are the God that cares and made us, and made us so unique, and fills us with your love. For that, we are so grateful. Amen.